5: a hobby of mine. Well, well, actually, it's a little more than just a hobby. Reader's Digest is considering publishing two of my jokes. Really?
2: Yeah. From Hollywood, it's time now for.
1: Ninety
2: leaves Leave the gun. Take the cannoli. Quiet, numbskulls! I'm
1: broadcasting. Hello, everyone. I'm Carl Amari, and this is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents the best in classic radio. This hour on Hollywood 360, Larry Thor stars as Detective Danny Clover on Broadway Is My Beat from 1950. Then Janet Waldo stars as perky, breathless teenager Corliss Archer on Part One of a comedy adventure of Meet Corliss Archer from 1947. But first, let me say hello to my co-host, Lisa Wolf. Hi, Vivacious Lisa. Hi, Carl. How are you? What's up? What's happening?
6: Well, you know, we've got a little stargazing out there.
1: Oh, yeah. And
6: Meryl Streep is in talks to join the cast of Mary Poppins Returns. Uh-huh. So uh, the role is Mary Poppins' cousin Topsy. Uh-huh. She will be singing in this role. Right. And uh, Mary Poppins Returns stars Emily Blunt as Practically Perfect Nanny, and this takes place more than five decades after... Of course, Julie Andrew played her iconic role. That was 1964 Disney. Wow, 1964,
1: else. the year you were born, Lisa. Yeah, Wolf.
6: isn't that scary? Yeah. And this follows the grown-up Jane and Michael Banks after they uh, they have children. It's 20 years after the first one. Wow. So if you're a Mary Poppins fan, you can look forward to and Mary I'm Poppins' not.
1: return. And I'm not. Well, sounds, most of us sounds are. Sounds good. Excellent. Thanks, Lisa. It's time now for a good detective adventure of Broadway Is My Beat. Let's go back to July 24th, 1950, with the Celia Jordan case starring Larry Thor.
0: Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum, the refreshing, delicious treat that gives you chewing enjoyment, presents for your listening enjoyment.
7: Broadway's My Beat, from Times Square to Columbus Circle, the gaudiest, the most violent, the lonesomest mile in the world.
0: Broadway's My Beat. The thrilling drama
7: of murder and mystery
0: and the people who walk the great white way. With Larry Thor as Detective Danny Clover.
7: In the summer's heat, Broadway is a wasteland, sullen, a place of regret. It's a time when the breeze puffs in from the river, dies suddenly before it touches your dampened cheek. The time when you wake up already exhausted, then pause before your office door and consider arson. Broadway fans itself with a newspaper and finds fascination watching a fat fly crawl against a sweating window. The thing to do is give up, except you've got a job, except you've got to pay the rent, pick up the check, buy the beer, leave the tip, meet the installment. July or not, you've got to make a living, kid. For my part, I would rather have been at Jones Beach, but I wasn't. The apartment was expensive, but something had gone wrong. The upended furniture, the torn drapes, the slick paintings abstracted into crazy angles against the wall, the empty liquor bottles. The place was a mess, which included the man who nagged at me. You've been
2: doing nothing but walk around. Say something to me,
7: so I'll know you're working. I'm working, Mr. Chelsea. I walk around and observe and jot little things down in this little book, and that's what I get paid for.
2: You don't care, do you? What do you care if someone's been killed? Slash to death.
7: Show me a body and I'll help you weep.
2: If you'd only listen to me. Stop walking around and hear what I've got to say.
7: All right. Go ahead, Mr. Chelsea.
2: Something's happened to Celia.
7: Celia Jordan, that's the name, isn't it? Uh, So I'll know.
2: Why don't you pay attention? Look at those spots over there. Blood. I'd say they were blood. Drunks
7: have a habit of getting themselves nicked. I can show you statistics.
2: Something's happened to Celia.
7: Mr. Chelsea, why are you here? What are you doing in this apartment? I asked you that ten minutes ago, and you told me something's happened to Celia. What are you doing here?
2: I I had a date with her tonight. I have one with her almost every night. I
7: see. Is this Miss Jordan's photograph? She's young, about uh, 22, I'd say. But then I'm not very good on guessing ages. For instance, I'd say you were about uh, 53. 51. You see what I mean? I'm not very good about ages. Something's happened. Don't do that again, Mr. Chelsea.
2: Well, something has. And I know why, too. Now I'll listen to you. I've known Celia for three years. Met her at a banquet for my corporation stockholders. She was there because... Well, if you must know... Well, she was in a cake.
7: You met her in a cake, Mr. Chelsea?
2: Well, well I pulled the ribbon that was attached to this big cake on the table and... And Celia popped out. That sometimes happens. And it was just about this time that Cliff went away. Cliff? Cliff Moore. A boy that Celia used to know. He was in the army, went overseas with the occupation forces three years ago.
7: I see. And you took over.
2: Cliff is back now. Celia told me. She said she saw Cliff on the street and he recognized her. But she didn't recognize him. Oh? Why? She found out Cliff was discharged for mental reasons. Something about he was hurt on maneuvers. Oh, I don't You're know. You're trying to say that this Cliff... That this Cliff has done harm to Celia. That's what I'm trying to say. What about those bloodstains? What do you think I'm saying?
7: It could have been nothing, or it could have been what the man said. A violence, unknown, unshaped. Born and nurtured in the December love of the man for a woman. And finally, the violence assuming its pattern and its texture. The room torn in anger. The room empty of the woman. The room stained with blood. And the policeman has to make sure. He calls the men from technical and they come with their scales and their rules and the sharp little knives. And they scrape and measure and weigh. The blood is human blood. Does it equal death? And that's an equation a policeman has to solve. At the hotel where Cliff Moore lived, they told me he'd checked out. No, he hadn't left a forwarding address. And that meant an all-points bulletin on Cliff Moore and Celia Jordan. And in a few hours, a call from Detective Mugavan. A bartender on 3rd Avenue had recognized a picture of Celia Jordan. Would I care to come down and check? I cared. Hi, Danny. Oh, Mugavan. which one recognized the picture?
8: Uh, uh, Charlie over there. Hey, Charlie! Beer set's coming up, Detective Muggerman. No! Uh, no, Charlie, just you, no more beer. Oh, what'll it be, Detective Muggerman? Uh, this is Danny Clover, Charlie, the detective handling oh. the case I was telling you about. Oh, Charlie... Well,
7: I'm glad to know you, Danny. Muggerman tells me you recognize Celia Jordan's picture. Was she in here? Well, oh, no,
2: she was that,
8: and not alone. With a man, and well, she might be, she's that pretty. When was that?
9: Oh, yesterday, toward the cool of the evening, in the twilight cocktail hour. They sat at that marble-topped table with the romantic crack in its surface.
7: What time did they leave? Oh,
9: around eight, I'd say. They were hungry, went off to eat. How do you know? The girl was so pretty, I kept hovering around the table. That way, willy-nilly, I was forced to eavesdrop. Were you forced to hear where they went? Oh, I was indeed. To Matthew's, the steakhouse on Second Avenue it was.
7: Waited on this girl? Hmm. I'm certain of it. Of course, yes. Was she with anyone?
4: She was. A young man. A nervous, temperamental type, I'd classify him. Uh, the way he handled his eating tools. Uh, the way he addressed himself to his food. All symptoms of How about long le- were they here? Mm, a modest time. They ate neither too quickly to a new story. Uh, Rather rare in these times. How long? An hour and a half. An hour and 40 minutes. What does it matter, one way or another? They left here around 10 o'clock. Hmm, around 10 o'clock. Did you... Uh... Uh, permit me to anticipate your question, friend. They left by cab. Yellow cab.
8: Yeah. I picked them up at a stake joint on second. What's the matter? They committed something? Where'd you take them? To the girl's apartment on 63rd. Man tells me to wait. I wait. An hour, an hour and a half, two hours. My meter is a bloom with money. Donnie comes and spoils it all. Alone? All alone. I gather that they uh what does it matter what I get? Anyway, I take the guy to the address he gives me. Where? The uh, Suffolk Hotel on seventy Feast. He committed something? Yeah, come
3: on in.
4: Well, don't stand there. Come on in. You're Cliff Moore? I'll close the door and sit down, will you? We've been looking for you, Cliff. Now, that's mighty nice. The police. Oh, I know what. The census taker missed me. You know why we've been looking for you? Gosh. Huh? I don't know you well enough, so I said, gosh. That's because my cigarette just rolled off the table. Step on it, huh? Hmm. Thanks. You were looking for me. Why? Because of Celia Jordan. She's coming back to me on bended knee, and she's roused the whole police department to find me. <laughs> Good, sweet, four-square Celia. She's missing,
7: Cliff. We found bloodstains in her apartment.
4: That guy that Paul Chelsea beat her up? Oh, I'll bet she had fun. Cliff, we
7: know you were with Celia last night. We know you took her home, spent some time in her apartment. Swell,
4: swell. What happened between you and her yesterday? Walked and talked and sipped a few and had a steak. You know, boy and girl, hand in hand. The Thing's magazine ads are made of. What happened in her apartment? Oh, sad time. She had a smile all rehearsed to drag out for the occasion. You're a nice boy, Cliff, and we did have fun, but you're broke. The best you can expect is 50 a week if you're your type of successful. Anyway, Cliff, there's the Thing. She didn't know how to say it, so she called it the Thing. She said it in capital letters. About what? I got a medical discharge from the Army because... Well, because I'm a nervous boy. Post-war Germany made me nervous. Also a live landmine during maneuvers. What else? I don't know. So you can't find Celia, huh? No, we can't. Now when you find her, let me know if she needs any help. Sure. Don't run away, Cliff. <laughs> you kidding? I sit here and run away all the time because I'm a nervous boy.
2: a drink, Danny. Nice surprise, huh? Huh? Come on. Sit down, Danny, and I will cater to what you. in the name of... Iced tea, Danny. Look. Boiled hot water courtesy the lab boys with their Bunsen burners. Jugs of ice courtesy the deft hand of Gino Tartaglia purloining learning from a water cooler. Tea bags courtesy Mrs. Tartaglia, who is friendly with the friendly jewel tea man. Glasses uh, courtesy...
7: Gino, Gino, what have I ever done?
2: Well, you have been considerate and kind to me, Danny. So, this is just a small token of the... Well, uh, how do you want it? With or without lemon? With. The best way to fight the heat. Hey, coming up, Danny. Gino. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. You want to know, is there any progress in the search for once Celia Jordan vanished? Possibly mayhem committed upon. Possibly deceased. Uh, Stop me if I'm wrong.
7: No, no, go ahead.
2: There is no progress. Anything else, Danny?
7: No. No, I guess there's nothing else, Gino. Excuse me. certainly. Thank you. Danny Clover speaking.
10: I understand you've been looking for me, Mr. Clover. Who is this? Celia Jordan. Are you all right? Not a mark on you, Mr. Clover, anywhere. Come see for yourself. You really should. It leaves your mind.
7: But we thought... Where are you, Miss Jordan?
10: At the Amsterdam Hotel on 34th Street, room 2412. I'll be ready for you. you. <laughs> You see, you see, Mr. Clover, I'm perfectly all right. My arms, my legs, my throat. I wore this sunsuit especially for you. So you could see I was all right. Over, I'm all right. Miss Jordan. Except inside. Since I called you, it's funny. Inside, it doesn't feel so good.
6: Inside, it hurts.
7: Here, let me help you. Lie down here, on this couch.
6: Thanks.
10: (laughs) You know something is...
7: Don't talk. I'll go get a doctor. No,
10: don't go. It really hurts. It hurts bad. Don't go.
3: Help me.
7: Even after death touched her, whispered to her, her eyes, pleaded with me. And the attitude of her body was a beggar's, contorted in pain, twisted in longing, grotesque with despair. And suddenly she could no longer reject it. And her body eased with the acceptance. It was still because the poison inside her was stilled. Its shadow on her lips in her eyes. And the violence that had been marked for Celia Jordan was finally hers. Celia Jordan was dead... Summer begins its long dying, and Broadway reacts to the process about the same as anywhere else, with regret, with a smile, and closed eyes. Except on Broadway, there'll be more things to remember, huh, kid? The evening's just as twilight washed over you, and the lights on the Translux flicker like fireflies, and dance out the dance of how it is to be at war in the summertime. And the cool evening breeze from the air-cooled movie, refreshing, till the newsreel sends out a cold wind you shiver and move to another place. Because in summer, a man needs something he can hold on to, something to latch onto, like the murder of that girl there in that hotel in the sunsuit, poisoned, murdered, saying the last word she ever said into the ears of a policeman. And the next morning at headquarters, the policeman sits in his office, remembering her words, but finding in them no trace of a murderer's name. Then a door opens, and a voice that's welcome calls you. Danny? And it's Dr. Sinsky.
8: Danny, this heat, this
7: inferno can take the heart out of a man. Well, sit over there by the window, doctor. Yeah. Pretty girl might walk by and set a cool breeze in motion.
8: <laughs> Dreamer.
7: That's no good, huh, doctor? We can't put it off, huh?
8: No, Danny, that's why I'm here. Yeah. I wish it could be just a chat, but man wishes and death. Ah, the report on Celia Jordan. Poisoned? You were right, Danny, the girl was poisoned. What kind doesn't matter much. What matters is that there was enough to kill her. (laughs) What pain must have been hers? How long? Poison that takes maybe three hours to act with five minutes of terrible pain at the end.
7: Hmm. Anything else, Doctor?
8: You asked me to examine her for a cut or a wound. Well? There was nothing, Danny. Her skin was not even scratched. Not even the shadow of a bruise. This is important?
7: Yeah, because it might give me her murderer. Uh, Excuse me, Doctor. Danny, I want you to take a plant, Muggleman.
8: Okay, Danny. Where? Who?
7: Suffolk Hotel on 71st, Cliff Moore. 71st, Cliff Moore.
8: Got it, Danny. Uh, this Cliff Moore, he murdered the girl?
7: Maybe, but I don't think so.
8: Oh? Uh, this is a day for riddles, huh, Danny?
7: No, Doctor. This is a day where I get a choice. I get two suspects for the price of one. <laughs> Yes? My name's Danny Clover. I'm from the police. Are you... Mrs.
11: Chelsea. You have the correct house? Yes. Well, then, please come in.
7: Thank you. Mrs. Chelsea, I... Sit down, Uh... please. All right. Yes? Uh, I wanted to talk to your husband.
11: Oh, I'm afraid not. He's not home, you know.
7: I stopped at his office. He wasn't there either.
11: No, of course not.
7: Then where is he?
11: Oh, I'm afraid I couldn't tell you that. I really don't know where he is. The bother of don't it, is you it?
7: care where he is
11: Paul my husband oh no
7: Mrs. Chelsea
11: is I... Paul in trouble
7: yes he is
11: I'll fix your drink if you'd like no
7: don't bother it's in connection with a murder
11: yeah the one in this morning's paper Celia Jordan's
7: you know about her
11: no, Paul doesn't think I do but I know all about her I'm fortunate some women never know why suddenly they come to hate the men they used to love. They blame it on routine, getting old, habit. <laughs> so silly.
7: And you hate your husband.
11: Because of Celia Jordan. Has he murdered her?
7: Maybe. Maybe someone else. We'll find out.
11: Oh, I wouldn't suspect anyone else if I were you. That'd be stupid. Paul killed that girl.
7: He told you he did
11: As much as did that. Oh? I confess it. I listen in on his telephone conversations. He thinks I eat chocolates when I lie in bed. Oh, I do, but I listen to his conversations on the extensions. Not much fun, but then it's not much effort either.
7: What are you trying to tell me, Mrs. Chelsea?
11: That girl was blackmailing Paul. Oh? $50,000.
7: Was your husband going to pay it?
11: He said he'd meet her at the Amsterdam hotel, but I know it wasn't to pay the money. (laughs) Oh, my, of course not. $50,000, Paul?
7: And I guess he did commit murder if what you say is true.
11: Please understand me. I'm plump, I'm a henna, I eat chocolate, and I sleep most of the day. I'm a woman in her late forties, so I would lie, but not to help Paul. Not Paul.
7: Then you're glad your husband might be held for murder.
11: Well, I'll miss him. He's not coming home when he usually does might throw my days off. It'll be an effort to get used to it, but on the whole, Mr. Clover... Yes? On the whole, I'm glad about it. Delighted. As a matter of fact, nothing nicer's happened to me in a long time. I'd like that drink, Mr. Clover, wouldn't you?
7: I said no thanks, which gave Mrs. Chelsea reason to pop a fruit-filled nougat in her mouth. She didn't offer me one of those, so I knew my time was up. I left. I checked Mugovan. Cliff Moore hadn't stirred, Mugovan told me. Then to find Mr. Chelsea. Back to his office. Not in. Try his club. I tried his club. Not in. Try the bar around the corner. Not there. So I went to a place without being told. The apartment where I'd first met Mr. Chelsea. Why, I reasoned, shouldn't Mr. Chelsea be there again? For the sake of sweet old nostalgia. was open. I walked in. The place looked better. Neat. Everything in its place. The pictures. The furniture. Mr. Chelsea. I knew it was him because once I had noticed he was getting bald. The pattern of it was the same. But Mr. Chelsea had been battered, beaten with a fury that demanded a lot of pain, get there before death did. The pain had made it. So had Death. <laughs>
1: That's the first portion of Broadway Is My Beat with the Celia Jordan case starring Larry Thor. Let's take a break, then it's more here on Hollywood 360. More
0: Hollywood 360 after these important messages.
1: And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. Now let's get back to Broadway Is My Beat.
8: Now it gave me a new place to go. Here, Danny. Here I am. Shade of this doorway. Cliff Moore? He's in his room, and the hotel hasn't stirred from it. What's the matter, Danny? You don't look good. Looks like more than the heat. I just cut myself a murderer. Oh? Yeah, Paul Chelsea. Well, that should make you look good. Anyway,
7: better. Those bloodstains he showed me in Celia Jordan's room, they were his from a cut under his arm. I saw it. I took the bandage off. So why so gloomy? You got him. He staged the whole thing, the room in a shambles, the bloodstains on the floor. He figured killing was easier than paying blackmail. But he made a mistake. What's the matter with you, Danny? Of course he did, so why I... Not that kind of mistake. He got himself beaten up, beaten to death, but for sure with an andiron. iron.
8: Cliffmore?
7: I think so. Go back to headquarters, Muggerbin. I won't need you anymore. Come
4: in. Oh, it's you. You came back to me. And that interesting? You are, Cliff. Doctors find me so. Sometimes kids. And women. This I understand. But you? Now that throws me. You interest me because you're a murderer. <laughs> Point of information. Who did I murder? Paul Chelsea. Oh, him. So why did I murder him? A simple motive, an old one. You loved
7: Celia. You beat Chelsea to death with and iron because he killed your Celia. Every minute
4: I learn new things. This Chelsea, Celia's good companion, he killed her, huh? I think so. A puzzle. Why did this old Mr. Chelsea murder something young and precious and vibrant, like they say, like Celia? You can answer that all
7: by yourself, can't you, Cliff?
4: Yes, I can. He killed her because she was going to blackmail him. (laughs) Did you know this whole blackmail thing was all my idea? Because I'm cynical and sick. (laughs) The proud possessor of a medical discharge. Let's go, Cliff. (laughs) (laughs) Stop it, Cliff. I said let's go.
8: let go on
4: and hit me. There's nothing I could do to you, so hit me. What? Look at my hands, my arms. I can't lift them no more than that. That live mine I told you about, It fixed them like that. I can lift them maybe four inches. That's what makes me so interesting. That's how I can take an and iron and beat a man to death when I can't even open a door or lift a cigarette off the floor without crawling like an animal. You call me a murderer? Oh, thanks, Mr.
8: Clover.
11: Oh, hi. And I was just dozing off too. What now?
7: May I come in, Mrs. Chelsea?
11: And I was just dozing off to I have you. to talk to you. Oh, please come in. Oh, I hope this won't take too long. Sit down.
7: No, I don't think so. Well,
11: what now, Mr.
7: Clover? But Paul. Oh, Paul. He's dead.
11: Oh, you're silly.
7: He's dead, Mrs. Chelsea. He
11: is? Paul? Why, why you're not kidding me. He really is, isn't he? Uh-huh. You better leave me alone, Mr. Clover. The things I said about him, you won't believe me if I cry.
7: No, I won't.
11: I don't blame you. Please, please go away. Who killed him? You don't know? Who killed Paul?
7: It was this way. Your husband murdered Celia Jordan.
11: I told you that. Because
7: she demanded blackmail. Because she threatened to tell you about what Paul had been doing.
11: And I knew about it all the time. Errors. A comedy of errors. Tragedy. The
7: blackmail was a scheme whipped up between Celia and her boyfriend, Cliff Moore.
11: And this boy, this Cliff, he killed my husband.
7: Why should Cliff do that?
11: Why? Oh, my. You ask me that? A police?
7: Yeah, that's what I asked you.
11: Well, I think it's obvious, don't you? Paul kills his girl, Cliff shoots my husband.
7: I didn't say your husband was shot. Oh. Your husband was beaten to death.
11: Oh. Cliff beat him to death.
7: You know, I've... Uh come to know your husband, working on this case, peeking into small corners of his life. He was a man I can understand. I feel sorry for him.
11: Hmm. Tell me how so I can feel sorry for him, too. I suppose I owe that to Paul. The
7: man is 50. He knows it, realizes that the rest of his life has to be lived. Something he wanted all his life and missed. Something like that passes close to him. He clutches onto it.
11: I don't understand you at all.
7: Something like a beautiful girl, a Sympathetic girl. Celia? You can't really blame him now, can you, Mrs. Chelsea? After all, he... He
11: had his own home. He had me. What's wrong with me? Go ahead, tell me. I can take it. What's wrong?
7: You couldn't hold your husband.
11: Why? Why couldn't I hold him? Tell me why.
7: Celia Jordan. Young, beautiful, warm. Her mind was lithe. Young.
11: You filth. You like Paul.
7: Was kind to Paul. Filth. Something he wanted all his life. Filth. Something he didn't have with you. Ah! That's why you killed him.
9: Beat him and beat him and beat him until he was
6: dead. He died too quickly. He wouldn't even give me that satisfaction.
3: Valve!
7: Let's go, Mrs. Chelsea. <laughs> When dawn touches Broadway, the shadows linger for one final caress, then leave and take away the night. A cloud drifts and far away a bird dips and touches it with a wing. The time has come for the day. The people wake, the fury gathers, the crowd funnels into the streets. Walk easy, kid, the shock is on. It's Broadway, the gaudiest, the most violent. The lonesomest mile in the world, Broadway, my beat.
0: Wrigley Spearman Chewing Gum hope you've enjoyed tonight's story and that you're enjoying Wrigley's Spearman Gum every day. We invite you to join us next week at this time when Detective Danny Clover returns again with Broadway's My Beat. Broadway's My Beat, brought to you by Wrigley Spearman Gum, is produced and directed by Elliot Lewis with music composed and conducted by Alexander Courage. The program is written by Morton Fine and David Friedkin and stars Larry Thor as Detective Danny Clover with Charles Calvert as Tartaglia. Included in tonight's cast were Irene Tedrow, Joyce McCluskey, Jack Crucian, Earl Ross, Jack Edwards, and Tom Holland. Bob Stevenson speaking. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System.
1: And that's Broadway is My Beat from July 24th, 1950, with the Celia Jordan case starring Larry Thor as heard on CBS. Hope you enjoyed that. Did you like it, Lisa? I liked it, You liked the Detectives. I think you're going to really like this next radio show we're going to play because we've never played one of these, by the way. It's a new show that we just recently added to the collection called Meet Corliss Archer. It was a comedy series that aired on radio from 1943 until 1956. Corliss Archer was a perpetually perky, breathless, well-intentioned teenager who was constantly at the side of her next-door neighbor and boyfriend, Dexter. Franklin. Clumsy, nerdy Dexter, a sweet but constant bungler with a nasal voice is best remembered for his trademark phrase, holy cow, and his braying call, hey Corliss, usually delivered from the hedge separating their houses. Corliss's father, Harry Archer, is a lawyer who tolerates Dexter only when he wants to use him to flaunt his male superiority. Corliss's mother, Janet, is calm and understanding, but Corliss' Corliss and Harry sometimes try her patience. Phyllis Lyon, Janet Waldo, and Lugene Sanders played Corliss on radio. Sanders and Ann Baker portrayed the zealous teenager on the TV series, which ran from 1951 until 1955. All right, it's time now for an episode of Meet Corliss Archer from the 1940s called Mr. Dreamboat Beauty Contest. This stars Janet Waldo. Here's part one of Meet Corliss Archer.
0: Campbell Soups invites you to meet Corliss Archer, starring Janet Waldo. And here's Corliss
5: Archer.
6: Gee, it's good to be back, Mr. Sharbert.
5: And on behalf of Campbell Soups, may I say we're all glad to have you and your family and friends back with us as, uh, well, uh, sort of our ambassadors of goodwill.
6: Oh, Mr. Sharbert, what a perfectly lovely thought. Me an ambassador... What do I have to do?
5: Um, just be your own sweet and charming self, of Oh, Mr.
6: Charbet, do you really think I'm sweet and charming?
5: As only a 16-year-old girl can be. It's a seemingly normal Friday afternoon at the Archer home. Quiet, peaceful, and serene. You see, Corliss is out somewhere. Mr. Archer is home from the office with a sick headache, and Mrs. Archer is standing by sympathetically.
9: Oh.
3: Oh. oh, oh, Harry, darling, isn't there anything I can get you?
5: Yes, a new head.
3: Oh, are you sure there isn't anything I can do?
5: Oh, yes, I think I'll be all right as long as I'm not exposed to any sudden noises. Oh,
3: poor Harry.
5: And speaking of sudden noises, where's Corliss?
3: Oh, off somewhere. I suppose she's safe behind a soda at Schroeder's. Good. Now, you just relax and read your newspaper, dear. I'll see that nothing disturbs you. <laughs> 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 come on, Veronica. Come on. good dog, Veronica. <laughs>
6: <job, laughs> del- oh, dog, oh. Veronica, the off the Golly, Veronica, I didn't mean for you to jump up on Daddy. You know, he doesn't like dogs on his lap when he's reading his newspaper. Now, down, Moronica! Come
5: on, um, Oh, you might as well let her finish Dick Tracy.
6: <laughs> Maronica, get
3: down. Now, you get out to the kitchen. What on, come on. Oh, cordless. your father came home from the office with a terrible headache. Oh, oh, really, Mom? Well, thanks for the warning. Well, darling, I didn't mean it as a warning. Is that all the sympathy you can show for your poor father? Oh, golly, Mom, of course I sympathize. Ah, Daddy, I'm
6: so sorry. Is there anything in the world I can do?
5: You could tone yourself down to a mere uproar for a few hours.
6: I'll be quiet, Angel. I promise I won't make a single solitary unnecessary sound.
5: Thank you, baby. And go a little easier on the sounds that are necessary, will you?
6: I'll be as quiet as a clam. Oh, Mom, do you know what's been happening right under my very nose and I ignored it on account of I had several other things on my mind?
3: Well, I can't imagine, Corrie.
6: Well, it seems that Benson's department store is again having the most utterly super contact Oh,
3: Oh, not now, dear. You're disturbing your father again.
6: Oh, I'm sorry. Mom, I'll simply die, unless I tell you, because Benson's is actually having its annual photo contest to pick the sweetheart of the year, and I've just got to... Oh, Liz Corliss,
3: your father, how many times must I tell you?
5: Oh, what's the use, Janet? You can't dam up an ocean with your bare hands. <laughs> Spill it, Corliss.
3: Well, Daddy, you
6: remember last year how Benson's had its contest where every boy submitted a picture of his girlfriend, and they posted the pictures, and everyone voted, and the girl who got the most votes was crowned Benson's sweetheart of the year, remember?
5: I might have remembered before you started that sentence, but I was a young man then.
6: Well, what I actually mean is Benson is having its Sweetheart of the Year contest again. And I'll simply curdle up and die unless I win this time.
3: Well, who won last year, dear?
6: Well, it was a neck-and-neck race between me and that Betty Cameron. But merely on account of the fact that Dexter submitted a very bad photo of me... That frizzed out blonde immersed triumphant.
5: Emerged Corliss. Immersed means all wet.
6: Daddy, that's an utterly perfect description of her. <laughs> I think it's Dexter.
5: You think it's Dexter. Janet, remind me to ask Bill Franklin why he raised his boy to be a banshee. Corliss!
9: Hey, Corliss!
5: Don't you think you'd better scream back at him, Corliss, before the plaster starts falling?
6: All right, Daddy. Dexter, come
5: on in! Oh, my poor aching head.
9: Hi, Corliss! Good evening, Mrs. Archer. Good evening, Dexter. Um, Hello, Mr. Archer.
5: Hello.
6: (laughs) Dexter Franklin, where have you been? I've been waiting for you almost all afternoon. Holy cow, Corliss,
9: you mean we had a date?
6: Honestly, Dexter, sometimes merely putting up with you requires more than a girl can put up with.
9: Well, gosh, Corliss, I really don't remember making any date. Where were we supposed to go anyway?
6: My dear boy, several weeks ago, we planned to spend some time together on a very important endeavor.
9: Holy cow, my memory sure must be getting bad. Benson's is conducting the voting tomorrow on the
6: Sweetheart of the Year contest, and you haven't even sent my picture in yet. Oh, gosh, why
9: didn't you remind me, Corliss?
6: Well, really, Dexter, a person can't just rush up to a person and practically force a person to think his girlfriend is something special and worthy of being entered in a Sweetheart of the Year contest. I mean, really, Dexter?
9: Well, gosh, it isn't too late to enter the picture, is it? I mean, the voting isn't until tomorrow, and this is only today. (laughs) Dexter,
5: at times you show a rare gift for analysis. Oh, Harry,
9: hush. Well, the trouble is, Carlos, I don't have a good picture of you. Every time you get really sore at me, you make me give them back to you.
6: Well, it just so happens, Dexter, that I have one of my pictures right here.
9: Oh, swell, Carlos. But we'd better start dashing. Benson's will be closed in a little over an hour.
6: Here, you can have this one for the contest.
9: Oh, thanks, (laughs) Carlos. Holy cow, Carlos. You don't want to go giving Benson's this picture. And just why not? Well, well, gosh, it's, uh, well, holy cow, it just isn't right. Even I can see that. Really,
6: Dexter, just because a girl's wearing a strapless white bathing suit is no reason for a nearly grown man to yell, holy cow, and get red in the face like a infant.
9: Well, I know, but gosh, Corliss, you've got lots of other pictures, haven't you? Yes, Dexter's absolutely right,
3: Corliss. I don't believe it's proper for a girl your age to have a picture displayed in that kind of bathing suit. But, Mother, if I can wear that bathing suit, why can't I? Daddy.
6: I'm
5: afraid your mother's right, Corliss.
6: <laughs> oh, golly. Now, I won't be able to enter the contest and that Betty Cameron is going to win again and I'll practically never be able to show my face anymore. Oh, well,
3: Corliss, you must have other snapshots.
6: But, Mother, I haven't won. Oh, please, mum, can't you sort of... Close one eye and...
9: No, Corliss, I'm sorry Oh, Oh, gosh, wait a minute I've got a picture of you, Corliss It's the one that Mildred took two weeks ago of you and me together I've been carrying it with me ever since Well, for goodness sakes, where is it? Right here, next to my heart (laughs) No, it's in my back pocket (laughs) Here you are
6: Oh, Dexter, it's all dirty and creased.
9: Oh, I know. I'm. I'm sorry.
6: No, it's a shame because it's awfully good of me. I think.
9: <laughs> I think it's terrific.
6: <laughs> now, Dexter, if I could just cut you out of it and throw you away, you mm-hmm. <laughs> know. But no, I'd be all crowded over on the edge Hey, um, maybe we could
9: have a print made With just you in it Oh, that'd be a swell idea If we had the time to do it Yeah, Benson's will be closing I know Raymond Raymond?
6: Certainly He's got all sorts of photography gadgets In the cellar of his house Come on, Dexter Let's dash right over there and see him (laughs)
10: Take this picture and reprint it so the Dexter's out and only Corliss is in. That's right, Raymond. Can you do it? Well, it all depends. You see, I'm awfully busy
6: right now on an important scientific matter. Raymond, if I were to merely hint to your parents about a little explosion I saw coming out of this cellar the other day... Why, you...
10: I didn't
9: say I wouldn't. Then you will... I didn't say I would. Well, for Pete's sakes, Raymond, what do you say? I say it's all very dumb. Why
6: not take it down to Schroeder's? Because we've got to have it in a half hour. Schroeder's would take a week, so would any
10: place out. In other words, I'm the only person in the world who can solve your problem.
9: Yes, Raymond. Do you agree, Dexter? Well, sure, you're the only one. You, you, you... Holy cow, what are you driving at? How? How much is your weekly allowance, Dexter? Why, it's, it's fifty cents. Wait a minute, Raymond. You, you, you mean you're going to charge fifty cents for this job?
10: Don't be dumb. Of course I'm not going to charge fifty cents. <sighs> I'm going to charge
9: a dollar. <laughs> a dollar? Holy cow, don't you think that's a little expensive? Even for you. Prices are up all over.
6: Take it or leave it Raymond Ames There are times when you are positively The biggest
10: little stinker in the world Cornish, this is a very dumb time For you to insult
9: me <laughs> oh, Look, Raymond How about uh, 75 cents and my pocket knife? Let's see the knife uh-huh. <clears throat> Here
10: Hmm Blades rusty Handles cracked Catches busted But you're not such a bad guy, Dexter It's a deal.
1: And that's the first portion of Meet Corliss Archer with Mr. Dreamboat's Beauty Contest. Starring Janet Waldo, we'll have the conclusion on our next episode of Hollywood 360. Let's take a break, and then it's more when we return.
0: More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360.
1: Next time, we'll have part two of Meet Corliss Archer starring Janet Waldo. Then it's the Cisco Kid starring Jack Mather and Harry Lang. That's next time here on Hollywood 360. Don't miss it.